0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to the EG Way podcast. You are joining us for our second podcast we've recorded uh, remotely as social distancing is still in full effect. And last time, if you were listening to our podcast, you'll know that we had Tim Robinson from Tech East. Hi, good to be back. Andy Narayan and Barrow from the Hethel Innovation Center. Hello. Taya Goodluck from Tech Nation. Thank you. And of course, Chris Pont, CEO and co founder of EG. Hello, hi, hi. we were talking about the role that technology has to play in this strange new normal we're living with for the next 12 weeks or so. But this week we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the role of the tech industry within the UK economy and within the economy of the east of England and also ask a few questions and hopefully make a few positive predictions about the role that the tech scene can play more broadly in the UK's economic recovery and in global markets after we emerge from the coronavirus situation. And I'm Andrew Walker, I am an old friend of EG's, uh, you know me now on the EG way, and uh, even though uh, we are working remotely, um, after having a, a conversation about it, uh, and the fact that the webcam could clearly see my pyjamas, I am fully dressed this week.
1: i
2: being very serious.
0: So Ter, thank you for for joining us. One of the things uh, I think we can kick off is uh, tell us more about your work at Tech Nation, but also the work of Tech Nation itself.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, my role is—I feel so fortunate to do it. It's the first thing to say. I feel very lucky. I mean, I'm primarily focused on supporting digital tech founders in the East of England to scale and grow their business. So that can be through engaging with Tech Nation's growth programmes, which are both sector and stage focused, um, signposting to relevant resources and sharing opportunities like corporate innovation challenges, for example, um, along with also making a lot of introductions to fellow entrepreneurs, investors and other key players in the ecosystem. And that's both on a local and national level. So really, I'm here out and about, previously out and about in the market, meeting people for coffees, et cetera, and something about their business, their opportunities, challenges and seeing how I can support with whatever they might be. Now, obviously, it's very much done over Zoom um, and also like Tim from Tech East, a big part of my role is just promoting exactly the amazing stuff that is going on in the East and doing that through social media, through blogs, etc., cetera, um, and sharing the stories of the founders that I'm meeting and the tech that they're producing. And then in terms of Tech Nation more widely, I mean, we're a national network, so there's a level 11 Entrepreneur Engagement Managers, so people in my role across the UK. So we speak very frequently, sharing best practices, in terms of what we're seeing in our regions, um, really collaborating, making relevant introductions across the UK as well, staying within our regions and um, sharing insights like Tech Nation Report and any sort of materials that are coming out that might help entrepreneurs with their growth journey. Um, obviously, in the from allowed to talk about coronavirus in the current climate, a big part of Tech Nation's role is having that direct engagement with government and being really proactive about being the voice for founders. So, we issued a survey um, a couple of weeks ago and we've gathered all of those responses from both founders and ecosystem stakeholders say what do you need to be able to succeed throughout this and um have shared that very much directly back with government so we're also a voice for founders
0: take us through the the big picture here because the uk generally um appears to be really moving up the international tables as a a a tech marketplace is that right
2: that is right um I think, obviously, the Tech Nation report, which was released on the, tw- on the 17th of March this year, um, gives a really super positive pitch for the UK. It does feel quite strange talking about that at the moment. It feels like it happened years ago and actually it was just a couple of weeks ago. But I think, you know, we, to chat about the positives, um, the report covered three key areas, which were investment, emerging tech and people and talent. And on the investment side, the UK is doing amazingly. So, in 2019, investment levels increased by 44%, which is huge. And that's over 10 billion investment into the UK tech companies. And so, we're third if you want to make it kind of competitive in rankings. You know, you've got the US, China, and then the UK. Um, And I think also for me, the other exciting thing is there's a big scale-up focus. So, over 80% invested was made into those high-growth firms, which we classify as being companies with over 10 employees and growing year-on-year by at least 20%, which is fast growth. And in addition to that, London, obviously, and Cambridge were in the top 10 European cities for investment and also later-stage investments have really grown and we've seen that locally again in the east particularly in cambridge where we've had a lot of rounds that are over 20 million dollars and obviously had cambridge medical robotics as well become the latest unicorn in the east with 195 million funding and these larger rounds are happening locally
0: just to sorry to cut in there but just to check what is uh, the, the the definition of a unicorn for these purposes? Because I think people have lots of different ideas in their heads about what a unicorn may or may not be. Mine, sadly, is a horse with a horn in its face that sometimes sticks up rainbows. So, yeah. uh, what, sorry, what,
2: I, what is a unicorn? I would love to be thinking about those unicorns too. Um, so it's a company that's valued at a billion dollars. And, you know, in the East, we've got a number of, unicorns, I think there's about over 20 actually, we've in our report identified um, nine digital tech unicorns because Tech Nation is focused on digital tech so the companies have to have some sort of software element um, and Cambridge Medical Robotics does fall into that because obviously it all links into the software. But yeah, so the investment story for the UK as a whole is really positive and um, we can go on to discuss in a bit how that may or may not change. Um, Uh, that also feeds into the east being a super positive investment story so to move on to the second theme around sectors which is on the emerging tech side so the key sectors identified in the report are ai robotics Cybersecurity, blockchain, IoT, and VR and AR. And unsurprisingly, AR dom- AI sorry dominates. Um, and again, we see that in the East, it's a big strength in terms of applied AI in a lot of businesses. You know, in that when I say applied AI, I mean AI being at the core of that company. It's not just kind of having a chatbot on the website. AI is really being used to drive that business. Um, and what I thought was really interesting is that the emerging sectors identified were agritech, clean tech, and health tech, which I think is super exciting for the East because obviously Norfolk and Suffolk um, have great opportunity in agritech and clean tech. Sectors and are already doing great things there. And obviously, health tech across the region is really strong and linked, particularly into Cambridge and the biotech life sciences scene. And I think these are sectors that are super important for a sustainable future. And I think the East can really showcase some of the great work we're doing there. Um, And then finally, on the people side, you know, employment in the digital tech sector to increase by forty percent, and that's between twenty seventeen and twenty nineteen, which again is a huge increase. And there's loads of data around this in the report. And we also will be issuing a Bright Tech Futures report in June this year, which will drill down a lot more into, you know, the most common roles that we're seeing advertised at the moment, and even more of that data. But I think what we're seeing high level is that the gap between London and the region is getting smaller and um, which I think is a really positive thing and also again happy to go into this in more detail if of interest but locally I've seen a lot more um, initiatives and programs about kind of getting the next generation into digital skills and being aware of what those career opportunities are. So, be that apprenticeships, um, even from a school level, you've got entrepreneurs going into schools and sharing about their business. And I think that's just a really positive step in terms of building the pipeline. Um, and then obviously, in Norfolk and Suffolk, you, you've got the New Anglia LEP, who are super engaged and have committed over 14 million into digital skills, which I just think is yeah, linking kind of the high-level themes to the report and also what we're seeing locally it is a really positive picture. But obviously this did come out just as this crisis is starting to hit.
0: I want to uh, get each of your views on what really stood out to you from this report and uh, what, you know, was for you the best news you saw in here.
3: Andy? Uh, yeah, I was, I was having a, a, a read through it um, yesterday and this morning. I think kind of the biggest thing that I thought was... Uh, good news and, and hopeful news come from it was was just signs of growth because it's very easy to to I think get, get distracted talking about individual cases and everything but I think what we need to see is, is growth of the tech sector as a whole and looking at the report that's clearly happening for the whole of the UK and then significantly for the east of England as well and I think as long as the sector as a whole can grow and as long as the sector as a whole remains collaborative which is what I think it is the more we can kind of help build each other up. And that that's a really like positive thing to see because we see that in the businesses that we work with. And then it's also good to see that in the, in the kind of statistical side of things through the report that the sector is growing and the work that we have seen people doing and the way people are working together clearly is working. That's, that's definitely like the biggest kind of positive coming from the report for me.
0: It must be encouraging because, of course, prior to the current wave of disruption, there was a whole load of disruption about uh leaving the european union and about you know what that might do and and the effect that was going to have on uk investment but it it looks from this report like it hasn't impacted the tech sector as badly as as some people would have predicted at the time
4: well i think as kind of two things i think on a national level um you know it's clear that the performance of the tech sector the growth of the tech sector um you know, in relation to other sectors is, you know, is very, very strong. um, And it's growing significantly faster than the economy as a whole. And we're going to need all of that um, growth uh, in order to, um, you know, create an economic recovery after the uh, current coronavirus situation. Um, And then the, I mean, looking at the east of England, I mean, it just jumps out, I think, how important the East of England now is at the, at the kind of you know at the high at the macro level for delivering growth in, in, in the rest of the UK. And it's because I think as um, as Andy was just saying, you know we have innovators who are you know deeply immersed in particular markets and solving particular problems that are really global problems, whether they're in healthcare or climate change. Um, or energy, um, and um, you know, there's a sort of there's a long tradition, I think, in the east of England of, of, of really um, deep, um, informed sort of innovation. Uh, so, although we might not have had over the, you know, say the, as much as, as as much attention as London over uh, over the last few years in tech, um, you know, there's perhaps been a bit less glamorous, if I dare say, then what we're seeing now is that when it really matters, when the, you know, when it comes, when it comes to the crunch, we've got, we've got the right sorts of expertise. We've got great collaboration between scientists and academics and researchers and also technologists and, and business people who can help grow those businesses. So, so so the East of England is going to hopefully be a really, you know, important, you know, engine of, of, of recovery and growth. Chris,
0: I mean, you've uh, obviously looked at the report um, you're part of that community you're probably one of the numbers in there in a way um, you know <laughs> what What was it that really hit home to you?
1: I think it, it just the, the the headline figure really the, the level of VC investment um, is huge um, both for the UK as a whole and, and the east of England um, I think that's a real um, vote of confidence in in what's being done in the tech sector um, and I, I I think, in particular, in the east of England, we've we've got those links with Cambridge. We've got those links with London as well. Um, and you know, as the the market gets more crowded, uh, that 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 investment has to move out of London and spread further afield. Um, and and the east of England is is the next next place really to invest. Um, you know, we've got some great businesses. We've got some great research facilities, as Tim mentioned. Some 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 great academics and and therefore you know it's it's the perfect um the perfect storm really
0: presumably we could be looking at you know disruption that we're still feeling the effects of this time next year i mean what in terms of future planning if you're working at something like an innovation center andy what are you thinking about you i suppose your 2021 plans are just you know completely up in the air right now
3: yeah and i think one thing that's that we've had a couple of conversations About and I think it's quite interesting is what happens after after this pandemic is over. Obviously, we don't know what we have no idea what's actually going to happen with it or when we might reach a or clear point or whatever that looks like. But we're going to spend such a long time with people remote working and with people being separated physically, socially, and emotionally from everyone else. How do we then bring people back to work? And I think we're going to see a really big shift between companies that were completely physical and companies that were completely remote to some sort of very kind of gray middle ground between the two and i think there's going to be an interesting challenge for a lot of businesses ourselves included as if for how do we bring people back into the office like we have eight people in our office sometimes more um that's going to be quite a shock for me at least because i'm used to being at home with me and my wife all day now, that's, that's kind of what I've adjusted to. So to then be suddenly surrounded by eight people, I think is going to be quite a shock for a lot of people. And there are plenty of places that have far bigger offices than that. So I think it's going to be a, a, an interesting transition to try and plan for how, you, how we kind of come out of this period for businesses.
1: I think that this is going to have um, effects, you know, even after everything gets back to normal. Um, I, I, I think it's going to change the way that people work forever. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of businesses out there who who would have been saying we can't do remote working, we can't do remote working, um, and you know, who are who are convinced that the magic doesn't happen unless everyone's in the same office at the same time. And yeah, you know, we've we've been big advocates of you know getting people you know sitting face to face, getting getting people together, and, and making sure that you know the, our projects kick off as quickly and as easy, easily as possible, but. Once things are in flow, you know you can have people working from home. Um, the tools are available, Um and I think you know a lot of it will come down to trust. And um, you know, once employers realise that they can trust their staff to to get on and work from home, even even when they're not able to stand behind them and see what they're doing, then um, you know perhaps that will have longer lasting effects.
0: And Tim, I mean, you're working with an organisation that is you know all about uh engaging across multiple businesses multiple touch points yeah. across education i mean you must be looking towards the future now and, and thinking about there are going to be long-term effects and helping people plan for that and understand what they're going to be
4: chris is absolutely right that the, the the probably going to be some kind of structural there are going to be some structural effects on on, on 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 the way people work and i mean i think the businesses clearly um you know, your biggest cost as a business is, is 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 your people, and if you can make your people, if you can help your people be um, just, you know, a few percent more productive, um, then that's going to have a massive translation to your bottom line. Um, and you know, we have been facing a, a big productivity problem in the UK really since the um, you know economic crash in you know two thousand and eight, uh, and. Certainly, the evidence is that people can be much more productive if they work from home, if they've got the right tools, and if they've got the right support. And as Chris says, if there's trust there, so you know the productivity, a prize. Um, if we can get this right, is huge. The cost saving on office costs, um, you know, desks are expensive. Um, you know, it's, it's potentially pretty big too. And businesses are going to be looking to um, reduce their you know their, reduce their exposure and manage their cash flow and all of those sorts of things. So I, I could see it having a very profound effect on the kind of commercial property and uh commercial property office, property market. Um the once they can open again innovation centres and co-work spaces, you know, whether it's Hethel or the Bradfield Centre in Cambridge or the Enterprise Centre in UEA, you know, it should be really, really, really well placed to provide the um short-term sort of touchdown space and landing space that, that, that people need. Because I mean, I have yet to see. I think with, with with some of these online channels, quite that same effect of, um, you know, happy accident of, of serendipity when you bump into someone that you perhaps didn't know or hadn't seen for a while, and it's making that reconnection. I'm sure it's going to get easier. I mean, I'd love personally. I'd love to see LinkedIn making some major investments and sort of major innovations on their platform, perhaps you haven't seen for a while, because after all, that's that's how we all keep each other contact details. But you know, closer to home. Yeah, the the work is not going to be the same, and in some ways, there will be some there will be some real positives that come out of this unnecessary travel, unnecessary commuting, unnecessary costs that that sort of people, businesses perhaps assume they needed to kind of carry and individuals were paying for out of their you know salaries. Well, all that can be um, adjusted in a positive way.
0: Obviously, you don't want to be negative, but do you think that? investment is going to keep flowing in in the same way sort of post uh, the crisis
2: well the message in the market is high level very much you know deals are still being done the vcs have their funds and um, looking look more locally again you know a lot of the cambridge vcs raised large funds last year so the capital is there um however <laughs> i think the reality as well, linking back to our previous point on meeting in person, I think that's a big factor for VCs to do deals understandably as they want to meet entrepreneurs face to face and meet planning teams. So, that could be a bit of a blocker. And I also think there's the factor around their existing portfolio companies. So, is their priority more supporting those businesses to survive and grow and pivot through this time rather than investing in new deals. Um, and obviously, it is a super uncertain time. So, would BCs want to save their capital for once we're out of this and there's more security? However, I do think if there's companies as we're lucky enough to have in the East that are doing really innovative stuff and actually could play a role in making a big difference during this time, then I think they probably would be able to raise funding. So, a bit of a mixed answer, but I think for the right companies, I believe the funding would still be there, Um, but obviously it is going to slow down. We did a bit of a plug, but we did um, fundraising in the lockdown webinars And we've got a blog as well and our website around that that could be quite helpful. And I also read a really good article from Angular Ventures that's all around funding at this time and the reality from a VC's perspective. So there's loads of content online to check out. But I think... I do think, obviously, it is going to slow down, but the good news is that the VCs do have funds at present, and they are going to want to deploy that at some point. So, I guess it in part depends how long this goes on for as well.
0: Okay. Now, sadly, I've got to call a halt there because the podcast can't go on forever, but this conversation could roll and roll. In fact, I'm going to say that everyone, hopefully, will be able to come back soon and uh, take part in another conversation about this remarkable part of the world, the East of England, where you're more likely to be working in tech than you are in agriculture, although it could be agri-tech, in which case you're kind of working in both. But that's all we've got time for on this week's EG Way, um, talking about the tech scene in the East of England. I would like to thank Andy Narayan Barrow from the Hethel Innovation Centre.
3: Thank you very much for having me.
0: And also, of course, I'd like to thank Tim Robinson, the CEO of Tech East. Thank you, it's been a pleasure. And of course, Chris Pond, CEO and co founder at EG. Thanks very much. Thanks, bye. And also, a huge thank you to Taya. Good luck joining us from Tech Nation. Thank you. Now, at this point, normally in the podcast, we'd all turn and wave at the camera and stick a photo up on Twitter of us all waving at the camera. Now, sadly, that's not going to be possible Uh, this time. uh, I would just take a picture of myself sitting by my computer, but uh, that that might be... In fact, you know what? Actually, that's what I'm going to do. There we go. Then you can prove that this actually happened. In fact, let's get everyone, just fire up your Zoom camera if you can. Okay, and we're all waving at the camera now because even though we're remote... We don't miss it on the EG Way. This is this wasn't AIs, this is real. Chris, you your hand's frozen, move it. Yes, he's real. Okay, come and come and listen to the EG Way podcast. We're still recording. We are live and direct. We're just not all together in the same room. See you soon.